And I remember when my family got the internet, I was just fascinated with websites. And uh, Java, I started out as a Java developer, uh, then switched over to JavaScript. I did a little Python, really much of a writer. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try. And I did it. And people seemed to respond well to my blog. So I, I kept blogging. That's the voice of Lauren Schaefer. Lauren is a colleague of mine and of Nick's here at MongoDB in the developer relations team. Lauren joins us today to share her story, her journey, becoming a developer and an engineer, and transitioning into developer advocacy. Fascinating discussion. I love Lauren. She's a great person and a great inspiration. I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed talking with Lauren. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. With us today, we have Lauren Schaefer. She's uh, been around on a few Twitch streams, a few podcast episodes in the past. This episode is going to be a little different. It's going to be more about Lauren's journey as a developer and be going going into developer relations as a as a developer advocate and um it's hopefully going to be a very inspiring story that other developers who are looking for maybe a change or a, a, an intro into the field on on what they can do but lauren do you care to introduce yourself in case this is somebody's first time hey everybody my name is lauren schaefer i'm coming to you from pennsylvania which is on the east coast of the u.s what else about me i don't know my favorite color is pink <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And how long have you been with MongoDB? Just over two years. So I think we're going to get into it shortly. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, your journey to developer relations and as a developer advocate. But what's your what's your title at MongoDB? What, what do you, I guess I'll leave it at that. What's your title? Yes, I just got upgraded. I'm now a staff developer advocate. Ooh, congratulations. I, thank you. I've been chatting with Ken this morning and Ken was sending me links to... Um, staffs on etsy he thinks i should carry around a big staff now they were pretty ugly i think if i'm going to pull that off it needs to be pink and bedazzled and sparkly and yeah and you got to learn how to twirl that bow staff that's true yes <laughs> terrific well i think we were going to focus on on the journey to developer relations and it's a journey that i've taken myself so i'm curious can you tell us a little bit about your background how did you get into computer science do you have a degree spe specifically in computer science and how did you get started with programming? Yeah, so um, we're gonna go, I guess we'll go all the way back to uh, middle school and high Bring school. To the beginning. Start all the way at the beginning. So I was always very interested in computers. Uh, my favorite subject in school was math. I loved math. Um, I loved how concrete everything was. There's always a yes or no, right or wrong answer. Um, and I remember when my family got the internet, I was just fascinated with websites. And so I went to an actual physical bookstore and picked up a HTML for dummies book and I started reading it and I started building websites. And I mean, you know, website, they were pretty basic. I mean, we're not talking anything fancy, but I loved the idea of coding HTML, did a teeny bit of CSS, and I thought it was a blast. Mm -hmm. So is this pure with an editor or were you using something like Front Page or Dreamweaver back in the time? Back at that point, I was just using probably Notepad, um, 
I don't remember what I was using. It was very basic. So then when I was in high school, I was a Girl Scout. So shout out to the other Girl Scouts out there. Yes. And we were trying to figure out what I was going to do for my Gold Award project. So the Gold Award project is a big service project. It's a 50-hour project, kind of equivalent to the Boy Scout, Eagle Scout. And um, we were trying to figure it out. And I loved building websites. And my Girl Scout leader said, you know, I I know this uh, nonprofit that needs a website. Will you build it for them? And I was like, yes, let's do that. So that's when I picked up Dreamweaver, uh, started coding there, learned how to use Flash, built them a little Flash intro. You know, back in the day, Flash intros were very cool. Um, so it was very snazzy and had a lot of fun with that. That's so when cool. I started figuring out what I was going to do for a major, my parents were like, you like computers, you like websites you should do computer science. And that's all we knew. We didn't really know what computer science was, but we decided to go for it. And uh, that's how I got into the field. Outstanding. That's a great start. Is that similar to, to your background, Nick? It's uh, it's similar. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't actually start with websites. I think I started with uh, just very basic uh, games. So mm. that was oh. kind of my, my era right there. Okay. But great. still basic stuff, nothing complex. Yep. So you studied computer science? And, I did. And then uh, tell me about what happened after you graduated. So I, I stuck around um, after I got my bachelor's and I got a master's in computer science as well. Then I was off into the world and I went and became a software engineer at IBM. So I was there for eight years doing various roles. Um, I did a little software development. I did test automation. I did growth hacking for a year. I did full stack. So Got a lot of good range of experiences there. All over the place. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. Really and what, uh, what technologies were you using over there in particular? Uh, so we were using DB2, you know, uh, over at IBM. And uh, Java, I started out as a Java developer, uh, then switched over to JavaScript. I did a little Python. I don't know, a little everything, I feel like. Love DB2. Spent some time working on that back in my days at Merrill Lynch back in the day. Terrific. So you're working at IBM, you're involved in a bunch of different activities, and uh, what happens to, to bring you to the point where you start working on some things that are not specifically engineering software, but, but are more in the realm of developer advocacy? So one of the things that I was always talking with my management about is, you know, what do I need to do to move up to the next level? And I always kind of had this dream of looking up and I saw the distinguished engineers above me and I was like, what do I need to do to get there? And so they always were talking to me about expanding my scope and, and increasing my sphere of influence. So one of the things they suggested I do was start blogging and I wasn't really much of a writer. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try. And I did it. And people seemed to respond well to my blog. So I, I kept blogging and then I kept having those types of conversations. Okay. What should I do? And at one point my manager emailed our whole team. We were building developer tools at the time. And she said, we need to be at developer conferences. We need to be talking to developers about our tools. Everybody go speak at conferences. So someone sent out a big list of conferences that you know, we should apply to speak at. And I saw one in London. I had never been to Europe and I was like, that's the one I'm going to that conference. And so I applied and my submission was very bad. The organizers took pity on me, helped me fix it up, clean it up. 
and accepted my proposal. And off I went to London to go speak at my very first conference, which was pretty cool. Fantastic. Which do you remember the conference that you spoke at? It was XP Day. So it was an agile conference. Extreme programming. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. That's great. So during the transition, I know I, I'll talk about myself for a minute. Yeah. During my transition from just doing straight coding to incorporating writing blog articles and, um, and doing screencasts and some of the things that kind of stretch you outside what traditional engineering is, I know that I began to feel a bit of doubt about that process and, and fear around leaving my software engineering skills behind. Have you experienced that at all? I have. And I think at IBM, those extra things I did kind of helped set me apart as an engineer. It was very much, I was still doing my core engineering role and I'd write a blog every once in a while, or I'd go speak at a conference or I'd answer user questions. And so I was doing dev, dev advocacy, but kind of on the side. But when I transitioned into full-time dev advocacy, that was something I was very much concerned about. And I really had to make the decision like, am I okay with the possibility of never returning to full-time engineering? Mm. And ultimately I decided that I was, I think this is a really good fit for me. It's a, it's got a lot of flexibility, but yeah, it, it is a big step. And I'm, I'm not sure. I know Tim who used to be on our team as a dev advocate successfully mm -hmm. transitioned back. So I know it's possible, but it, it's a hard, it can be a hard transition. Yeah. Yeah. I think whatever you do, whatever it is that you're doing, you need to, you need to follow your passions and uh, at least I do. I'll say, I'll say this, mm -hmm. you know, spending all of my time writing code, there are periods of my life where I did that and I felt completely fulfilled. However, there are also periods of my life where I feel like I'm, I'm not scratching an itch. I'm not fulfilling uh, the creative, um, some of the non engineering creative side. And I feel like this role just gives you an opportunity to, to just do so many different things that, that it, it really is a complete, for me anyway, it is a, a complete portfolio. It, it matches precisely where my passions lie. So let's dive into a little bit about uh, what it is that you do as a developer advocate. You want to talk a little bit about the, the, the various things that you get involved in? Yeah. So as you mentioned, there's a, a wide breadth of things and I feel like every day is different and really Every week is different, but there are a couple of things I try to focus on. So every month I'm, I'm writing pieces of content for our developer hub, which is our, our developer blog. I also create very produced and curated videos that you can find on the MongoDB YouTube. And then the other piece that I really focus on is speaking at developer events, which is one of my favorite things to do. Mm -hmm. So those are the big three for me, but there are people on our team who do other things as well. Like I know you all are always doing the podcast. You're on the Twitch streams all the time, live coding. I know that I'm trying to, what am I? Oh, we, we all write sample applications. That's one of the best parts of the job, right? Actually coding. Mm -hmm. um, what am I missing? I know there's other things. I think we do more than just sample applications, right? Like, uh, we're, we're involved in, in some heavy duty projects yeah. as well. Well, you're building the whole video game. So yes. <laughs> and you're building something amazing too, right? We're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah. So we, we work, uh, we work on the dream team together. So working on yes. some analytics projects for the team, which is very cool. I completed sign up and, and, um, student management for the GitHub student developer project, which is part of the, part of the things we do here at MongoDB. MongoDB and GitHub are in a partnership. Spoke at the GitHub universe yesterday, still going on today. 
Uh, oh, nice. How did that go? Oh, it went really well. I think there were something like 40,000 attendees at GitHub Universe and 15,000 of those signed up to, to follow the educational track. And that's where our session was, uh, was located. But enough about me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're, we're also on the community talking with our users on a regular basis, which is great because we get to help people uh, be successful in their projects. And then we get to bring that feedback back to the projects the engineering teams and, and make our products better. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do. Yeah. So if you're, if you're listening in and, uh, actually, I mean, want to chat with us, want to ask questions, obviously not, not at the moment, cause we're on the podcast, but I know that all three of us spend a good bit of time in the community. So just get yourself an account at community.mongodb.com. Stop by and say hi. So now that we understand a little bit more about what it is that you do, tell us what, what is your favorite thing to do? What do you really like to do more than, than anything else? I really love speaking at conferences and it's still very scary to me and I get very terrified each time. So it's not like I'm one of those people who's just like, yay, like I have no nerves and I'm up there and everything is great. But it's such a challenge to me every time I do it that after I do it and I feel like, you know, I've got my demo, it went well, everything went great. I got positive feedback and I get off the stage and I go, Oh my gosh, that felt amazing. So I love speaking at conferences. Likewise. Likewise. I, I really feel fantastic when, when it's going well. I mean, obviously there are, there are, there are opportunities for, for major challenges, especially when the audiences are large, but, but I think that adds to the, to the payoff, to the reward. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm positive that there are going to be people listening to this that are wondering, okay, great. So I'm a developer and I really want to do some of the th these things, but how, Lauren, tell us how... How can we possibly get involved in, let's say, speaking at conferences? How do you get involved in that? So I was able to do it while I was still working as a full-time developer, which is nice because you can kind of try it out and see if you like it. Um, but the process for speaking at conferences is typically that a conference will put out a call for speakers or a call for proposals. And then you go on and you apply to speak. So you'll submit your title, your abstract, and your speaker bio, and then they'll decide yes or no, if they want you at the conference. And um, Sven and I actually did a MongoDB user group event maybe a month-ish ago. I don't know, time during the pandemic is, you know, all a blur, but a month ago-ish. And uh, we talked about the whole process. So if you want to look for that recording, we'll find it at some point and we'll link it up here. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes for sure. So, uh, so CFPs, call for papers. Um, how much time do you think you spend looking for opportunities to speak? Hmm. I probably spend 30 minutes a week-ish because mm -hmm. um, now I've got a pretty solid set of proposals. I submit the same, you know, three talks to every conference, mm -hmm. but creating that initial proposal takes a couple hours to really flesh it out and, you know, come up, coming up with an idea could take you know, a week or two of like thinking about it in the background. Um, but once you've got your proposals, it's not too bad. Most conference proposal websites are, have pretty similar fields. You can just copy and paste your ideas in. Mm -hmm. So you probably keep a, a, a Google doc or something with each of these. And so it's a cut and paste exercise. Now yep. I, I've been to a number of your talks, Lauren, and I absolutely love how you incorporate um, various themes. There are a couple of them that incorporate <laughs> um, Parks and Rec. It's my favorite show. How can I not? It's like it's it's like life through the lens of Parks and Rec. There's so many uh, really good examples of, especially in the developer space. So, um, 
So terrific. So any other advice for somebody that, that wants to, um, that wants to get involved in speaking at conferences? I would say start with smaller conferences. Uh, there, if you start looking at different calls for proposals, you'll see some of them say specifically, we're looking for new speakers. You don't need to have experience. And some of the really big conferences will say, no, you, you need to have a detailed speaker bio. You need to have done this before. So look for conferences that specifically want new speakers and apply there. And also have someone get a mentor who can help walk you through it. And MongoDB has a speakers program that we will help you. We'll review your proposal. We'll help you get started. So if you don't have someone at your company that can help you, MongoDB would love to help you get started with the, uh, with your speaker process. So in, in regards to the conferences, I mean, the conference spectrum is, is enormous. Are there any, like, do you want to, do you want to do a plug for any of your particular favorite, favorite, uh, events? Yes. My all-time favorite conference. Uh, well, obviously MongoDB live is a great event. So we got to plug that, um, every year it's, I don't know, sometime next summer, uh, we'll be having another one. It's a great, it really is a good event. Um, my all time favorite conference is the Grace Hopper celebration of women in computing. And it's grown. I first attended it back when I was in college and it was a couple thousand people. And now it's, it's massive. It might be like 20,000 people. I don't know. You can fact check me on Wikipedia, but it's, this massive conference. It's got, um, it's just, it's nice to be around so many other women in tech and to feel the energy. It's just a really great conference. Now, is there a lot of coding going on at that conference or is it more of a, a networking event? What, what type of conference is it? It's, uh, they do have a hack day, which I've open source hack day, which I've never participated in. It's primarily uh, learning. So there's breakout sessions on both soft skills and technical skills. And then there's a lot of networking. And then Friday night, there is a big party. It's just, it's just a good time. Awesome. We have a question coming in. Uh, what are the, what are the dates to apply to the next MongoDB live event? I don't, I don't think that's available yet. Right, Mike? You know, I, I don't know. So perhaps while we're, while we're moving on, we can see if one of the team members will, yeah, will be able to get that. I've heard the CFP is open. I just don't know when the deadline is. Yeah. So we'll work on that. Um, so I actually would like to maybe hijack this a little bit and make a turn here. Uh, so, I mean. As a, as, as a developer, I, I don't know what, how IBM worked, but I, I assume you had certain goals and criteria that you had to meet uh, every quarter or every year uh, to sort of progress through uh, professional growth-wise, right? What does that look like as uh, a developer advocate? I know that all three of us are developer advocates, but in your perspective, what, what kind of goals are, are we trying to reach to be successful? Oh, that's a really good one. We just got a title matrix and... I don't remember it right offhand, but I think a lot of it is very similar to engineering of increasing your scope and increasing your impact. So how many people are we reaching? Are we talking about, are we able to go in more depth and get more technical in our topics that we're talking about? Are we speaking at bigger events? So I think it's still a lot of the same things of, of scope and influence, but please jump in. Yeah, and and awareness. Um, so it, it it's all of the things that you can think about. So number of eyes on the blog entries that you write, um, number of listeners to the podcast, number of viewers on the YouTube, attendees at the conferences, and then attendees to your specific co- uh, talks. Um, all of the kind of obvious uh, things count for sure. And also, I think mentoring teammates and and being a good team player comes in as well. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So do you feel like you play the role of a uh, marketer as well in developer relations? I know that uh, 
often we sometimes feel slimy i think when we refer to as sales or or uh marketing but maybe mike doesn't but do uh to what extent of of your daily or weekly or even monthly activity do you feel like is just uh non-technical marketing type stuff or similar i think of it as tech i think i think it's always still technical we are you know representing the company we do want people to use our products but i think what sets developer relations apart from maybe sales or perhaps marketing is that we really try to be authentic so if a feature isn't working quite right we're going to we're going to tell you you know what it's coming it's it's not quite there yet or this part of the feature works really well this part. eh. And so we try to be really authentic so that Mm -hmm. we have developers trusting what we're saying. And I think, I mean, you mentioned sales. We are clearly not sales. Uh, We're not trying to sell any, any product. Uh, We're not even, uh, I would go so far as to say we, we don't push developers in any direction regarding the product set. Um, I do think that we we're responsible for knowing the product set and it's, it's almost like, um, rather than push its pull. So we listen to the to the pulse of the developer community, watch for threads in the in the discussion forums. And when developers mention certain products, we we want to make sure we bring um accurate, relevant and and up to date information about those threads, right? I, I wanted to to touch on a perhaps um perhaps awkward topic. In engineering I don't know why it has to be awkward. I don't think it's awkward, but in engineering, it's it's primarily a male-dominated field. Have For you sure. have you ever felt uh, have you ever felt uh, awkward or or pressure or a certain way about uh, your role uh, because you're you're a female? Yeah. Yes, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel it sometimes if I'm the only one on a Zoom call of you know six people and it's just I'm the only woman. I I notice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if other people notice, but I notice. Um, the other piece that I kind of notice is that I don't always have the same interests as people on the team. And there are women who are like deep in geek culture and they, you know, they live it. I, I'm not, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Star Wars, the treks. I, I don't know. I don't care. Um, so I, I don't always relate to my teammates in the same way that they're relating to each other. And yeah. so that sometimes can make you feel a little bit like an outsider. Mm. So as a male in this field, I want to be cogniz- cognizant of that. You know, what are, what are some suggestions you would have for someone like myself that can make a more welcoming, safe space for, for non-male uh, participants in the community? I think just kind of bringing people into the conversation. So, you know, I, I don't always have things to contribute to, like I said, people talking about the mm-hmm. latest video games. So, you know, asking how my weekend was, something simple like that. Mm-hmm. Um, can make me feel included. But I think the the big thing that um, males can do f- is uh, really be advocates for female voices. Um, you know, so there's, there is a lot of subconscious bias. And so something that I say may not be taken as seriously, may not be seen as correct as if it came out of a, a male voice. Mm-hmm. So having someone in my corner who's advocating for me saying, Lauren knows what she's talking about, or I heard Lauren say this, like, that is huge. That, that is, that is big for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, giving you space and, and not mansplaining or, or, or yes. getting <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. 
mansplaining was a was really hard for me when I was in college, and we didn't have the term then. But <laughs> the the guys used to think they were being helpful, but it made me so crazy. Um, I things have gotten better. College was rough. I feel like dealing with kind of just male culture, but once I got into the work environment, things got a lot better. Yeah, good. How do you feel about uh, your your time at MongoDB? It's been great. I can't believe it's already been two years. Like it's gone fast. Really has. Yeah. Okay. We we talked a little bit about your favorite things to do. We talked about what developer advocates do. What do you not like to do? What do you? What's in the portfolio of things that you have to do? And I like to refer to it things that as as things that I'm blessed to do, even though they might not be my favorite. I think answering questions that. I don't have a solid answer for that. I haven't, that I, I don't know always makes me feel really uncomfortable. Mm. So if I'm answering questions on social media or in the community and I, I don't know, um, or if someone asks me in a live Q and a, I just freeze up and I just, that is very hard for me. So, um, you and me both I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I just had this happen today. I'm working with, um, one of the product marketing managers and, um, I'm helping with creation of some content. And there were some questions that came up about a particular operator that I never used. I mean, it, it's gonna happen. It's, I think it's impossible yeah. for us to be experts on every facet of MongoDB. The platform has grown so immensely and there's so many intricate details of, uh, of the platform. So um, my approach to that, Lauren, is, is that I don't know is completely valid and, uh, yeah, so I, I use that on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. So Nick, what do you got? Where do you want to go with this? Yeah, I mean, so you, you started at MongoDB as a senior developer advocate. You recently became staff. You said you got upgraded. What does that career path upgrade entail? I mean, a lot of people, maybe people who are listening to this episode, they're currently a developer advocate, but they don't know how to progress to that next level. Uh, what, what would you recommend to those people? So for me, um, what I did to, in order, I kept, I had a lot of conversations with management and I said, Hey, what, what do I need to do to move up? And for me, the blocker was, I needed to raise my profile internally and externally. And that is something hard for me. I, I am not one to go out and be like, I want to know everybody. Like I'm not a social butterfly. So I was like, okay, how am I going to get people to know me when I'm working remotely? And I like to just sit and get my job done. Uh, and so for me, that was very much a challenge. I think everybody's kind of got their own piece. They probably have to work on as they work on increasing their scope and increasing their, their breadth of responsibilities. So, yeah. I think that maybe that, that question also applies to you, Mike, you've progressed significantly in your developer relations career as well. Any, anything to add? Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the, the phenomenal thing uh, is that MongoDB is so open and willing to, to let you, uh, look, you've got to get your job done and mm -hmm. you're hired into a role and there are specific deliverables as associated with every role. But the great thing is with MongoDB that if you're a performer, if you work hard, if you have a good work ethic, if you're helping your teammates, opportunities to, to, to shift and change even organizations and departments. You know, I started MongoDB as a uh, pre-sales solution architect, and I spent a couple of years doing that. And I was always 
interested in writing sample apps and speaking at conferences and doing screencasts. And I was just naturally driven and, and attracted to the developer advocacy role. And when an opportunity became available, I jumped and I actually moved into, I moved immediately from a pre-sales solution architect, individual contributor to a leader in the developer relations space and, and at a very senior level. And I'm going to be brutally honest here. It was a challenge for me to make that shift. And I think, um, I think I probably underestimated the, um, the level of not administration, but the level of people leadership, um, that went into that role. And look, I gave it my best shot and it was clear that the team was held back by my inability to, to grow the team fast enough. And, you know, no, you know, this is not a, uh, a negative commentary on myself. Like I, I know that's an area for me to grow. Um, but the beautiful thing is like, I gave it a shot and MongoDB said, fantastic. Let's, let's get somebody in the role that, that, um, that has done that before and, and is, you know, clearly more, more suited to, to fill those aspects where I struggled. And I've since dropped into an individual contributor role and I'm having a blast. I'm having the best time of my life at, at MongoDB. So having a company that will support you in those types of changes is really just, I mean, more than I could ask for, for sure. Yep. So Now we actually have a, a position opening up on our team, right? Uh, I understand, Lauren. Yes, we have a new DA position, developer advocate. They'll be focusing on written content for our Dev Hub, as well as video content for YouTube. And then, you know, a few of the extra things thrown in, like we all do, you know, events, streams, you know, community, that sort of thing. So if you're interested in joining us, we would love to have you. And the rec should be opening soon-ish, sometime. So we'll include a link to, to that rec yeah. as soon as it's available. But I think from a high level, you can visit mongodb.com slash careers. And the yeah. roles in developer relations live under the engineering umbrella. So there's yeah. a, 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 a section for the department, and that would be engineering. Now, I know that we kind of threw this around the table a little bit in our, in our pre-discussion on, on this episode, but um, I'd, I'd be interested in maybe possibly discussing uh, the interview process for just DevRel in, in general. Um, without going into like the the secret sauce recipes, but uh, I don't I don't I don't know what the terminology is to use it, but just get people like in the door, right? People are curious on what the process might look like. So when I was interviewing, Mike recruited me, which was great, and um, the process was we did like an intro interview, and then the project we had to do was to write a blog post, I think, on any topic related to MongoDB. And, um, I, I wrote about the CRUD operations and, uh, then I had a couple of like people friendly interviews and that was that went up the chain. But I, I think the process has changed a bit now, instead of writing, I think you do a, a formal presentation for members on our team. And then I don't, I think there's a technical interview. I'm not sure. I, I'm not actually sure what our latest process is. Hmm. Yeah. It has evolved quite a bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm the new guy on the team. So it, it's sort of the. I think it's pretty much the same as that. I, I went through a few interviews, one of them being a uh, presentation. Uh, I didn't have to do any algorithms like you would maybe. In, I don't even know if that's still a thing in uh, the software engineering world. Um, mm. It might be. I hate I always hated those. Yeah. They're the worst. Uh, but but it, it was actually a more mellow experience, and uh, at least for me, during my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we have a question coming in from the chat. Uh, as a professional dev rel, et cetera, how do you pick a topic to write about? Is it driven by the organization or do you have the freedom to choose? Great question. Do you want to take that, Lauren? Sure. Uh, most of the time I have the freedom to choose, which I really enjoy. Um, I usually will say, you know, I'm, I've been talking with people. This is what I think people are struggling with. And I'll probably break it up into a series. I, you guys know I love to make series. And uh, that's what I write about. Sometimes we do get um, suggestions coming down from from top down. I know I, I've just joined Nick's little sub team and we're the Atlas team. And I think we're gonna, I'm gonna be writing more about uh, Atlas related topics. We'll see what happens. I don't, Nick, what's your experience been? Have you been getting top down ideas? No, I've actually, I think, I mean, I probably get maybe one, one kind of idea that's, that's coming from the top a quarter, if that. Um, the rest is all whatever's up to my imagination. I really like that because it really lets our personality and our passions shine through. And I think the articles are better because we're writing about what we care about. And you can you can see that when you read it, yep. that we we care about what we're writing about. And, and I think, I mean, we're all creative people and we all have so many different things that we're interested in. So it's just naturally going to lead to a more complete representation of MongoDB. Like, I like the uh, aggregation framework and you know maybe nick likes uh working in the go driver space or something like that so we just get a, we naturally get a good distribution of of coverage across all of the the various aspects yeah i mean for example like i've been doing the game stuff like lawrence said uh nobody nobody told me to do the game stuff i just like games and mm -hmm. i've been producing content around that yeah it's pretty now, cool I, I will say it's it's not completely wide open like you need yeah. to have those ideas. You need to come up with uh, and make a plan, and you're expected to to document what you will be doing, not down to the individual letters that you'll type as as a part of the blog post, but at least um, you know make a commitment to the number of blog posts that you'll have and the basic areas and themes that you'll cover. Right. And I think I've seen in the title matrix, um, more junior team members will get ideas tossed to them. They're not expected to come up with ideas, um, you know, right off the bat. So. There's there's always a backlog of things that we can write about, and I'm always like, oh, I just want to write about what I want to write about. But there there are ideas. If you need ideas, people are willing to help you come up with ideas. Lauren, I mean, is there anything we missed on this uh, particular episode that you feel like it, it'd be a killer piece of advice for people who either are just coming out of school and want to be in the developer relations area or transition from another part of technology? So I know it's kind of controversial. Um, people have different opinions in DevRel about whether you should work as an engineer for a while and then come into DevRel, or if you can come right out of school or boot camp or whatever and go right into DevRel. And I tend to fall in the first camp. I think it's really valuable to have a few years of engineering experience. So you get your feet wet, you understand what it's like to work as an engineer, um, you understand the tooling, you kind of get all that experience and it to me, that, that makes you a better developer advocate. You can relate to the developers. Um, so if you have the, the option, I would say go get a couple years of engineering experience and do a little DevRel on the side and then come do it full time. I will say that there's, you know, we are in developer advocacy. We also have members of the team that are focused more on the community and, mm -hmm. you know, they may not, they may not write code at all. So under this, under the developer relations umbrella, there's such a, a wide array of things that you can do. So if that's your bag, if you're not necessarily writing code, um, there's the developer relations community aspect. So 
you know, working in the community, working around messaging, working around, um, you know, understanding what the, the needs of the developer community is, and then trying to work to serve those and, and, and bring the message to those folks. Even nurturing like user groups, right? Right for sure. And our community team is amazing. I love working with them. They're, yeah. they're fantastic. I do want to throw out one more question for you guys. Um, I want to talk about what makes working at, as a DA at MongoDB special, because I think there are some things that set us apart from other organizations doing developer advocacy. So I'll go first because I've been thinking about it. <laughs> um, but we have professional speaking coaches. And to me, that is a huge perk. Like my speaking has gotten so much better. And I love that I've got a team I can go to when I've got a new talk and I can say, can you help me? And they give me feedback on everything from structuring the talk to how to present it. Like yesterday, they were talking to me about how I should be like breathing from my chest. I don't know. I'm still working on it. But they're fantastic. And to me, that's a huge perk. And then another perk that I've been pushing Joe on our management team about is uh, interning on the engineering teams. And they've told me in Q2 next year, I'm going to get to intern on one of our engineering teams. So I'm very excited to get back and uh, do some full-time engineering to keep my skills fresh, which, which is huge. I've not heard of many other DA teams getting to do that. Any, any details on uh, which engineering team? I think I'm going to end up on the node drivers team if they'll have me. But like, I keep using the word intern because I, I really need to set the bar low. Like I'm, I'm happy just to go in and like fix bugs, but like I, I want to experience their DevOps lifecycle again and like learn all the tools and just kind of be back in the engineering world. Yeah, this is a great question coming in from Moto Breath Forever. Uh, as someone that would be considered a senior developer 10 plus years, in a non-DevRel role, would you recommend applying for a junior role or something more in depth? So I would approach it this way, like gone are the days where you, you build a resume on paper and then expect to, to discuss the, the, all the different facets of your experience in an interview to impress someone. Today, and you guys can keep me honest here, but um, GitHub, build out, your, your resume of, uh, of, of projects that you've worked on, build those in the open. Um, YouTube, create YouTube uh, screencasts, uh, videotape yourself doing, doing talks and engage with the community, get involved in a user group. These are all things that um, they're absolutely free. And as a, as a developer, as an engineer, the only limitations are on your time. So if you're really motivated and you really have the skills, um, do, do all of the above as much as you can. And that's gonna put you in a position where you don't have to go for, uh, for necessarily a, a super junior role, especially if you have major development uh, and engineering skills. You can sit for mid-level or senior level DevRel position um, so long as you can prove that you can do all of those things. Does that make sense? You guys agree with that? Absolutely. And I would say right. sell it to your employer because a, a lot of us don't have extra free time, like sell it to your employer. Like this stuff is valuable as a full-time engineer. So sell it, mm -hmm. see what you can do on the, on your regular clock and build your portfolio that way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think a, a side, a side promotion, I guess what it would be called is absolutely possible. Like if mm -hmm. this is something where your passion lies, um, if I were your employer, I would be interested in, in making sure that you're 
passionate about every day. Yeah, portfolio-driven uh, uh, enhancement is, is, is absolutely beneficial. Mm -hmm. This has been a great talk. I'm, I'm really glad that we got the opportunity to spend some time together, Lauren. Definitely, yes. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter as well as TikTok. Yes, I'm on TikTok <laughs> with the kids. Uh, both of those are the handle Lauren underscore Schaefer. You can also find me on LinkedIn. There I am, Lauren Hayward Schaefer. And you can find me on the MongoDB community, which we mentioned earlier today, community.mongodb.com. Nick, anything else before we close out? No, uh, I think that's it, except for uh, we, we should probably plug the podcast, especially for the people who are watching live, right? So if you want to catch episodes like this um, and uh, even more, go to mongodb.com slash podcast. Yes. Um, we publish, what, three episodes a week, Mike? Uh, two or three a week, depending. We try and do an update, a MongoDB update on Monday mornings. I try and get some some of the fresh product information out the door. Uh, Wednesday, we do the long-form interviews, and by long, I mean about 30 to 45 minutes. Those are published at 6 a.m. Eastern, Wednesday morning. Got a really awesome one coming up this Wednesday. And then Friday, we do, um, we're, we're starting to embark on an addition to the Built with MongoDB series coming out from the Emerging Developer Relations teams team. Those. Those folks are doing some amazing stuff with the startup community. I, I formerly spent a lot of time with the startup, um, working on program management for the startup program. And uh, we've got a lot of really great blog articles coming out around Built with MongoDB. And I've been kind of pilfering some of the folks that are featured in those blogs and having them on the podcast to talk about how they did what they did and uh, what facets of the platform they're using. We have a question coming oh. in. What is the Emerging Developer Team? Yeah, great question. So the Emerging Developer Relations Team obviously is, is part of the Developer Relations Team, and they focus specifically on academia and startups. So anything having to do with educators, so working directly with the, the folks that teach university classes and boot camps, uh, making sure that they have the latest uh, uh, information about MongoDB so that they can pass it on to their students and as well as students, so working directly with students. I mentioned earlier the GitHub Developer Pack program. MongoDB is partnered with GitHub, and uh, we are offering uh, special uh, rewards to uh, participants in the GitHub Student Developer Pack. You can, you can find more information about that at students.mongodb.com. And uh, so that's the on the academia side. On the emerging developer side in the startup space, you can check out mongodb.com slash startups. We have a, a nurture program for startups, and you can get all sorts of benefits uh, from MongoDB around MongoDB Atlas enablement. I think that about covers it. I hope I did it justice. That's, that I, was, I was formerly uh, focused on emerging developer relations before moving into developer relations uh, in the larger sense. Well, Lauren, uh, we appreciate that you are a repeat guest on the show, um, and Woo! I have no doubt we'll we'll figure out a way to to trick you into coming back again. <laughs> yeah, probably. You keep dragging me back on the podcast and Twitch, so yes, because we love you. <laughs> All, All right. right, take it easy, everyone. Have a have a wonderful holiday. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com. 